Hello out there and welcome to the Fantasy World Order Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Pat Donovan. Joining me tonight, the Dark Lord, Nick Ligatino. Hola, amigos. And we are expecting to be joined momentarily by John Paul Nosarino. So while we wait for him, let's move to the big news of the week, Nick. Manny Machado signing with San Diego. What are your thoughts on that major move? Well, it's definitely one of the worst spots uh, for him um, as far as lineup, as far as ballpark. Uh, as far as everything, counting stats, um, the lineup doesn't look that bad, honestly. If you take a look at it, if, it's, if it winds up being Kinsler, Machado, Hosmer, Myers, Reyes, and they've got some minors coming up, um, some prospects coming up, it, it, it could be a decent lineup, but the problem is none of these guys get on base. Um, so I think that the, the counting stats are going to be tough for him to come by, and the ballpark will sack the, the home run total a little bit. <clears throat> so it, for me, it moves the needle. And I'm moving Machado down a total of about probably about six six to eight spots, which is pretty, which is a lot. Can you give some context as to where he is now in terms of overall? Yeah. Um, now he's about 15, 14. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same ballpark as you in terms of where I have him currently. I think I was a little higher than the market. Um, on him to begin with, and now I've sort of come back to where he was. I imagine the market will adjust and probably push him close to 20 at this point because I do think people will see it as a negative move. Um, I'm not so sure it's it's all that bad, though. I mean, San Diego kind of gets a bad rap as a really bad park. It's really not as bad as it once was since they've undergone some dis- dimensional changes. It's still a pitcher's park, but it's not – um, you know, San Francisco, for instance, it's, it's not, or Miami, it's not that bad, um, especially from the right side. Um, and in terms of your point about the run total and the run production, you know, Baltimore wasn't exactly the beacon of on-base percentage um, in, in terms of where he's leaving. So, I mean, I, I don't know that, that this location moves the needle as far as that goes. I think it'll be roughly the same area it's been in. Um, So, I mean, I'm expecting good things overall. Um, And we've been joined by uh, John Paul Nocerino, who sounds like he's in an elevator. I I don't know. That's not me. I have no idea what that was. (laughs) I heard on your end. It sounds like it's the elevator with Machado going down because I'm a a little concerned about this move too. I I, I can see him. Good Honestly, I can see him <laughs> being a little disinterested. Got the money. He's going to be living 80-degree California weather. He knows the team's not going to be great this year. I could see him kind of going through the motions this year and not having a huge season. Uh, like we, you, you pointed out, the lineup's not great. He's obviously still going to be an impactful player, but I'm definitely dropping him down a few spots. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing that Nick did. Where did you have him approximately, and where do you have him now approximately? Oh, I'll probably – I'm going to do this in terms of shortstops, I think. Or, well, he's going to be playing third. So, it's hard to say because – I don't know. It's real, I was, I was kind of out on him altogether. Sorry, I'll give you some names. Okay, so yeah, bias. I'd probably go bias. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think um, I, Trevor Story. Well, I love bias too. Uh, 
That's close. I'd probably go story. I'm I'm worried about Machado. Oh wow. Okay, so you're yeah, down. So you're yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely way down on him. You're you're Done. into the mid to the late second round. I see him collecting his paycheck this year and not like and he's gonna get a ton of pressure on him. He's the three hundred million dollar man. You know, it's it's gonna be weird. It's, it's new surroundings. Yeah, but it's San Diego, is there really pressure? Yeah, there's always pressure when you sign a three hundred million dollar contract. I know what you're saying. But yeah. I, that's what, that's the thing. I can see him kind of getting lost out there and getting disinterested. I really can. Lost in San Diego. Yeah. San jacking, Diego. Jacking it in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move into the outfield preview part two. We are going to try our darndest not to go three hours tonight. In fact, because we're recording on the anchor platform, we can't. We've got a two-hour cap. So let's get started um, with the 36th overall outfielder, Aaron Hicks. 120.23 ADP. Uh, he's ticketed for a significant role in the Yankees lineup where there really isn't a bad spot. Do you think Hicks might be undervalued at this price? Nick, this is your boy. Tell us what you think. Yeah, so we all know last year I was all over him. Um, I, he's, I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, and he's like my favorite Yankee on the entire team. Like With all those guys, he's my favorite guy. He's so consistent, gets on base like crazy. The OBP is insane. Um, the word right now at a camp is that Boone's going to try and bat him lead off um, as much as he can. And he was there a lot last year, but it sounds like they're going to they're gonna put him there more. If he's not lead off, he's going to be batting third or fourth to split up um, Judge and Stanton. So either way, he is going to get a ton of counting stats. Another thing that I like to hear at a camp out of Hicks is that he's really focused on um, working out his hip in the offseason, which is what's caused his injuries over the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, if he's able to stay on the field and get like 600 plus at bats, he's going to do what he's done the last two seasons, which is, you know, last year he paced out for 30, 15, the year before that he paced out for 30, 20, um, this year, again, I like him for 30, 15 with a two sixty-five, two possible two seventy average. I think, I think the average has some upside, um, considering he doesn't strike out, he walks a ton and he gets on base like a monster, but regardless, he's totally undervalued he's going to give you a ton of runs and rbis he's going to give you some steals to me he's like the poor man's puig um the way puig is shot up it's funny if you compare the two um in general i mean the yankees lineup is probably better than the reds the yankee stadium is probably better than cincinnati um everything and and it's just i I, and hicks has stood here like at, at this adp of like 115 120 he's floating around where Puig is shot up to like 80. So in comparison, yeah, I like Hicks's price better, and I like him a whole lot better than a lot of guys we're going to get to tonight. Yeah, okay, I Joe. hate to agree with you, Nick, because I don't like you, but uh, I really do agree <laughs> with you. Where, bring but Joey back. I really do agree with you. I, I love the player. Uh, he's a, Everyone wants a piece of the Yankee lineup, and you're going to be able to get him at a lot cheaper price than you are, you know, the Judges and the Stantons and Gary Sanchez's and whatnot. So if he's leading off, he's going to, you know, you know he's going to have a ton of run production. Uh, he's definitely going to – he had 27 home runs last year, and he only played about 130 or so games. So if he plays 145, you know, you could definitely see him getting to 30. Uh, in that ballpark, great lineup. Uh, there's, he walked 90 times last year. Mm. So he's getting on base. Uh, I mean, strikes out a ton, but it doesn't kill his OBP. No, he doesn't strike out a ton. Well, he struck out 111 times. It's decent yeah, amount, but, but... – but but, the 90 walks, you know, doesn't even make the strikeouts matter. I know what you're saying. Go ahead. So, I definitely love the player. I think he's undervalued here. I like him over guys like Conforto and even Pollock. Uh, 
because, you know, his injury concern. I'm, I like him better than the, the next few guys above him. Yeah, I, I'll make this a clean sweep. I, I like Hicks at this price, definitely. Um, the fact that they're talking about him as the leadoff guy, you know, that gives him the potential to score 120, 130 runs when you combine his on-base skills with the talent around him. Um, you know, and, and then you add in the fact that he's a 25 homer bat that can steal 10 to 15 bags. It's a really, really nice package. Um, you know, the only thing I would caution against is don't expect the Babbitt to go up. He's a fly ball hitter. He doesn't have hit a lot of line drives. So the Babbitt, even though he's athletic, is going to be sub 300. Uh, but you know what? Honestly, who cares? I mean, if he's hitting 255, 25, 15 as the Yankee leadoff guy getting on base at like a 360, 370 type clip, I'm all aboard for that. So give me uh, my I think credit. This is a great. I think I this is a great credit. price. Yeah, Nick, you you were on him last year, and you were right. Thank you. Okay, let's move, to, let's move it to David Peralta, 134.39. 37th overall outfielder. The market is clearly skeptical of Peralta's breakout and the situation in Arizona. Does this create a buying opportunity for you, Jape? Why don't you kick it off? Uh, no, I'm not too crazy on him this year. I uh, He's got a lot of pressure on him now with Goldie and Pollock gone. That lineup is not what it once was. He's got guys like Eduardo Escobar and Steven Souza around him. Hey, what's wrong with Steven Souza? There's well, absolutely he's, nothing. He's, Steven Souza is a god. Him. He's, he's not. He's not Goldschmidt by any means. Uh, so, uh, about that. Yeah, I he's... think. Uh, <laughs> <listen. laughs> yeah, no, no way. But uh, I had Peralta at one point last year when he was just getting hot. I picked him up, and he did nothing for me for about a week. I dropped him, and he helped our champion of the league eventually. You know, have a huge second half and help them win the championship. He's extremely streaky. I feel like he, he'll get hot and cold. The 30 homers and a nice average is a very, very sexy thing, but I, I'm not buying it. I think he's really going to, you know, struggle in that lineup without Goldschmidt. I think there's a lot of pressure on him now, and I think I'd take a guy like McCutcheon over him. I really would. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm, to be honest, uh, there's nothing special about this guy to me at all. Um, the power is – I don't think he's, there's no way he's going to hit 30 again. I think that comes down in a big way. I haven't projected for 20. Uh, if you look at the launch angle, if he, he's under seven degrees, I, it's just really hard to hit home runs with that low of a swing. Um, so I haven't projected for 20 home runs, uh, just under five steals. And I think the average has a good opportunity, a good opportunity to go a little bit higher. So, you know, he could get you 20 home runs and bat 285, which is okay. But at this point, no way. I'm taking like so many of these guys going to get to, over him yeah i mean i think you guys are kind of missing the plus batting average here and i, and I know you very briefly touched on it but that's a that's a major asset well um, what's what's what do you have projected for average uh i have him as a 285 290 hitter uh, all right but 285 and how many bombs 23 is what i have okay so 23 285 from it's from your outfielder in the in the 12th round no no, well, this I, is your in twelve teams, twelve team leagues. This is your fourth outfielder. This is the start of the fourth outfielders, thirty seventh. Um, now, Jay said he'd rather have McCutcheon. I agree with that. Um, listen, you, you the market is obviously not paying for what he did last year, nor should they. I'm not saying that this is going to be a thirty homer, <clears throat> two ninety bat. Um, I've obviously got him projected for some regression in the power. 
but I think there's a pretty good floor here. Um, you know, I, I think that the floor is like 280, 20, five, six steals, and he's going to hit second or third in this lineup. And anytime you're hitting second or third in the lineup, the run production should be pretty good across the board, regardless of who else is in that lineup. And, you know, Nick and I both like Steven Souza. Um, Jake Lamb is a 30 homer bat. Kettle Marte is going to hit in front of him. He, that guy gets on base. That's the one thing that he does. So, I mean, there's, there's enough pieces there around him that you could see, you know, low twenties bombs, five to 10 steals, 80, 80 in terms of runs and RBIs. And then suddenly you're getting pretty close to a profile that looks like Mitch Hanniger. And it's not stellar. It's not, you know, Aaron Hicks is 130 run season 25-15, but it's the type of profile that finds its way inside the top 30 every year. Um, and that's not an upside profile. That's a pretty reasonable expectation. Now, I mean, can he go out and can he hit 30 bombs again? I wouldn't project it. I wouldn't expect it. I would say that's top line, tippy tippy top of where I project him. But he's shown the skill and the ability to do it at this point. So there is a universe out there where it happens again. Um, I, I don't have an issue with the price. I mean, I think he's properly priced is what I would say. Um, but I, I do think that there's a pretty good floor here, provided he stays healthy. And I don't think that should be downplayed. Okay, let's move to Ender, Ender Inciarte, the Ender of Worlds, 38th outfielder, 139.62. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about who's going to hit leadoff. There's been some speculation that Inciarte will for the Braves. There's recently been some more speculation that Acuna will go back to the leadoff spot. We saw Inciarte lose that role last year. Do you guys think he starts in the leadoff role and can keep it? And how do you think, like, what do you think of this price? Nick, why don't you kick us off here? All right. So Inciarte is like the Braves version of Cesar Hernandez. Um, he's criminally underrated yeah, every single, criminally underrated every single year. He's got really good OBP year after year. Last year it dropped, dropped a little bit, but I'm going to chuck that up to a couple of things. One, he battled injuries on and off, uh, minor injuries they were, but he played through them. And then being shuffled around that lineup, uh, you know, by guys who were 19 years old, uh, and that had to have some kind of take on him, I think. Um, but this year, I don't know. Listen, it's really tough to crack, to crack this top four. You want to get Acuna. You want to get Albies at bats. You, of course, Freeman. And I mean, the only way this could happen is if Donaldson moves to five, um, in my opinion, and NCRT is one and Albies is two. I, 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 I don't see why you would put Albies at the back of this lineup. To me, he's one of the, he's one of the best guys on this team and has one of the brightest futures. But um, I would pencil NCRT in regardless as being fine to take at this ADP because he's going to get you the stolen bases with the double digit pop and the decent average and the good OBP. If you're an OB, OBP, if you're an OBP league, he gets a boost. And if he moves to the top of the lineup, which listen, Albies had some real struggles last year and Akuna is still new. I mean, he only played half a season. Um, Josh Donaldson is always obviously battling injuries. So I think at some point he'll be at the top of that lineup and he might hold it for a while. Uh, so regardless, it's worth it because this Braves team is going to score a ton of runs. And if he's not first, he'll be batting probably sixth. And 
he'll 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 be valuable there as as well because of the guys in front of him. So I, I like the ADP. Yeah, but why is there not a possibility that he's hitting ninth? Well, there is. I mean, it's, it's definitely not a zero possibility. But I, I personally would put him in front of Dansby Swanson and Tyler Flowers, or whoever's playing. Yeah, but. But just because you would do it doesn't mean that the major league baseball. Agreed. Listen, there's a chance, but I, I tell you what, there's he, he's definitely going to hit leadoff at some point this year, like for ex, for an extended period of time. I just don't know if it's to start the season. Uh, I think he's got what it takes to be the leadoff guy. I think he should, like from a baseball aspect. I think they should give him the shot from opening day and like let him run with it. Last year was kind of a weird year because the Braves didn't expect to contend and they were just you know. Trying to toy with some things. I, ex- I expected them in. to contend. I fully oh, expected them right. to contend. You're the greatest. Well, this year they expect to contend, and they should have an established leadoff guy, and he's a perfect guy for that. But I think he, I, I like him at this price if you have you know power covered throughout the rest of your lineup because he's not going to give you any power. I mean, ten home runs. No. Yeah, ten home, eleven home runs is career high. So I, to, for me, he doesn't steal enough bases to make him that sexy because the power is you know such a big drop off if you have two other power hitting outfielders let's say you drafted a a judge and a stand let's just say for for the conversation i think he's fine he's gonna get you a decent amount of steals he's gonna hit for a decent average score a bunch of runs but you gotta have enough power to make this pick worthy to me yeah i think that's a great point i mean where where i think it's the upside is is sort of lorenzo kane like i think that's his best outcome is sort of Lorenzo Kane, 10 homer, 30 steal, 290 type season with a bunch of runs scored. And I totally agree with Jay because I think the same thing about Lorenzo Kane um, is that it's really a, a pick where you have to have the right team comp to take him. You've got to have that bankable power and that and those bankable RBI to be able to take in Ciarte, I think, because he's just not going to offer enough in the power department. And while it's debatable whether the runs will be there, if he's going to hit lower in the order, it's there's no question he's not going to drive a lot of guys in. Okay, let's move to Andrew McCutcheon, 39th, 140.57. Uh, we know that Nick is in in a big way based upon our bold prediction show. Is there value at this spot with McCutcheon in Philly, or are you more in line with the market on McCutcheon? JP, kick us off. Yeah, I think there's a ton of value here. Like I said, I'd take him. Uh, I'd take him over Peralta and Inciarte. Uh, I love the fit for him. I love the ballpark. Love the lineup. I think he's going to have that veteran presence. Uh, he might lead off sometimes. I think they're going to probably lead him off like the Yankees did. And he's going to show a ton of patience. He's going to get on base a lot. He's going to be in the middle of rallies. Cheers. He's a veteran guy. Yeah, cheers. Thank you. He's he's only 32 years old, even though he feels older. He's not that old. He's got a ton of games under his belt and everything, but he's usually – he's been reasonably healthy most of his career, and he's in good shape. I can definitely see a 20-plus home run season with, you know, pretty good counting stats and a great OBP. I love McCutcheon this year. I think we're all going to be fighting for him. Man, I just hope the Phillies hail Caesar and realize that hail their Caesar. lineup is so much better with Caesar at the top of the lineup than it is with McCutcheon. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like McCutcheon too, obviously. I mean, Nick and I talked about this on the Bull Prediction Show. Um, I think that this is, this is going to be the first time he's played in a plus ballpark for a full season. Um, he made some interesting changes last year. The hard contact was way, way up. Um, he still runs a bit. 
I don't think the I think the days of him hitting like two ninety plus are gone. But I see no reason he can't be a two seventy five, twenty five homer bat with ten to fifteen steals. Um and, and I, I do expect him to be hitting in the middle of the lineup as opposed to the top of the lineup. But in either in, in either scenario, I think the run production will be pretty good. Um, you know, obviously the Phillies are have been everybody's pick to get Harper. Who knows if they got get him or not, but even if they don't, I still think there's enough talent in this lineup to make McCutcheon very, very productive at this price. I think he's probably a borderline second outfielder uh, going at a fourth outfielder's price. So I think there's a lot of profit potential here. Nick, do you have anything you want to add to your bold predictions, Rand, or shall we move on? Um, no, just that. I already, I already said it. I love him. He's. I, I would take him over like – I would take him like – 75th overall, complete overall rankings. All right, yeah, so you're you're well above the market. I think yeah. Jape and I are both above the market as well, not as high as you. Yeah. But. Okay, so let's move to Ian Desmond, 40th outfielder, 142.69, has first base eligibility. Would you rather have him or podcast favorite Italian cookies, Stephen Piscotti, <laughs> 41st, 151.28? Nick, why don't you kick it off? Come on. Of course, I'm taking my, my Italian cookies here. It's always Italian cookies. It's always Italian cookies. I mean, Italian cookies or Mike Trout. I'm taking Italian cookies. It's Steven, it's Steven Piscotti. Um, Ian Desmond is a little too inconsistent for me. I hate the OBP. Um, you know, last year, just 307. Shuffle around that lineup. If he has anywhere near that again, he's going to be towards the back end. And regardless, there'll still be counting stats to be had. Last year, still bouncing around that lineup, he finished with um, 170 combined. Um, you know, I, I, you got to love the team, you love the lineup, all that good stuff. But he's aging; it's aging speed. Um, I just don't trust Desmond at all. Whereas Piscotti, I think last year he just scratched the surface as far as um, power and speed go. Like last year, he hit 27, and I think that's repeatable. But I think he could steal some more bases, and I think there's a lot some more upside with his um with his batting average. And the counting stats are going to be very, very, very good on this team this year. It's going to the A's are going to score so many runs. They may lead the lead the team in uh, the league in runs. Um, so I have Piscotti down for a repeat 27 home runs. I have him down for six steals and a 285 average. All right, so I think uh, Piscotti's probably the safer play here, but I think I'll go Desmond with the higher ceiling. Uh, he was very weird last year, like you said. He batted 234, but he had 80-plus RBIs, 80-plus runs, 22 home runs and 20 steals. I mean, he was very productive. If he can get that average up to even 250, and get we talked about the ground ball rate. It was terrible. It was a 62% ground ball rate, and he was a negative .7 war. He was considered one of the worst players in baseball based on that statistic. If he can just improve the fly ball rate a little bit and hit for a little better average, there's no reason he can't hit 30 home runs in that ballpark. Uh, he's only 33. He's not that old. I think I'd go with Desmond here. I'm not in love with either player. Like I said, I think Piscotti's probably the safest player, but I'd take the risk on Desmond. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Jape is on point with his analysis about Desmond in that there's a lot of variance there. Um, you know, the grounders are at a unbelievably high rate, and they've been going the wrong direction for a number of years. Um, and if he doesn't carry a home run rate, homer to fly ball rate, nearly double his career rate, 
Last year could have been a total disaster. But then there's the potential that maybe he's found something in his swing where he's been able to generate more power than he ever has before. And the Babbitt comes back because cores. And then suddenly he's like a 30, 20, 65 type hitter. And he's a complete monster. Um, I could see that. Yeah, it is an outcome. But for me, I'm also taking Piscotti without, without much hesitation here. I, I do think that he's relatively safe, even though he's been a little up and down in recent years. He obviously had the personal situation with his mother. Um, he, he came on in, after, I believe, like the middle of May last year and just was ridiculously hot for the rest of the year. Tons of hard contact. I agree with Nick. I think the batting average can come up. And that hard contact came with a K rate of 18%. Um, that's a perfectly fine level to be at, and that's part of the reason why I think there's some upside with the batting average. And there's also been some reports that he may hit three in this lineup. Ooh. And if he's hitting third in this lineup, it's that's one of the best spots to be in in baseball because you're looking at Chapman in front of you, whoever's hitting leadoff in front of him, and then Chris Davis and Matt Olson promptly behind him. So lots of runs, lots of RBIs. If that happens, I'm hoping it does. Um, and even if it does, and even if he's hitting five in this lineup, I still like him a lot. I, I think that he's the best here. Yep. Okay, Nomar Mazzara, 42nd, 156.46. The former top prospect has seemingly stagnated. Are you willing to buy in thinking there's more to come? Or are there other names you like more going later? Uh, Jay, why don't you kick us off with Mazzara? All right. I'm not that big of a fan of Mazzara. There's definitely guys that we'll talk about in a few, Brandon Nimmo being one of them that I, I liked a lot more. He doesn't do much other than hit his 20 bombs. I mean, he's stole one base last year. He stole two the year before. He, he doesn't even try to run. Uh, the average has never been over 266, was his, was his highest in 2016. Uh, counting stats are okay, nothing spectacular. I just thought we'd get a better player than this. I think, I mean, it's possible that he hits 25, 30 home runs one year, but you need him to do that to be valuable at this spot because he, does, he doesn't do anything else. He really doesn't excite me, and I'm pretty much not a fan. I think I'm out on him Ooh, totally. Excite and uh, Yeah, he doesn't excite me. He's not sexy. Um, Brandon, Brandon Nimmo's sexy. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I kind of disagree with you. I think that there's some real upside in Mazzara, um, especially in the power department. I think it's just waiting to come. He's kind of just been middling. I mean, he hit like 20 home runs, 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before he breaks out. And I think it's going to be this year. If you look at the advanced stats, um, he was 76th in barrels. He was ninth in max exit velo. He was 44th in max home run distance. He was 49th in average exit velo. So he definitely has the power. Like he's top 100 in all those categories. It's just that launch angle has been inconsistent year to year. Um, he was at 11-3 two years ago. So if he's able to get back to that, which is above league average, last year he was below league average. If he could bring the launch angle up to, you know, just respectability, 8.5 and over, anything over that's gravy. Um, I think he could break out this year for like 30 home runs. And I think that there's also some upset with the, with the, um, with the, uh, the average as well. Last year he had a 298 bad dip over a 258 uh, average. I think he's more of a 270... 275-ish type of hitter. He also had a ton of hard contact. So I think I think we really have a big power year coming, and I really think it's going to be this year. 
Yeah, I mean, the ground ball profile last year shifted in the wrong direction. Um, there was an injury, and prior to the injury, Mazzara was at 15 bombs and 272 through about three-fifths of the season. But there wasn't any kind of underlying bat of ball change. I mean, the ground ball profile was still there. So it was really just a increased homer to fly ball rate. I think Mazzara is similar to Moncada. And I spoke about Moncada a couple of weeks ago. And, and I think what I said rings true here. I'm more inclined to take a shot on Mazzara now than at any other point in the past. And it's because the price has come down. But the pedigree is still there. And we have to remember that although we've seen a rise in the number of prospects with these elite pedigrees that have come up and hit right away, there's still the potential that these guys that are 22, 23 years old that have played for two or three years find it. And it's just simply a matter of them finding their way in the major leagues and and sort of learning at the major league level. Um, You know, and when it comes to Moncada versus Mazzara, I I think Moncada is a little bit of a safer play because he sort of offers that stolen base upside that Mazzara doesn't. But I think I'm closer to Nick here than I am Jade because I just think that Mazzara does have the ability. It's just a matter of unlocking it. Okay, 43rd, Billy Hamilton, 164.67. Billy Hamilton is starting to climb now after early drafts had him in the 200 pick range. Is this a sweet spot, or do you think he needs to fall a little further for you to be interested Nick, I'm very interested in your take here. Yeah, he needs to fall. He needs to fall for me um, further because as of right now on this lineup, I think he's batting post five, which means probably nine since he's a speedster. Um, With that OBP and the way he's played, I just don't think there's any way he cracks the opening day roster between one and four. Um, And if he's batting ninth on the Royals, it's going to be really tough to one, get at bats and two score runs and three, get RBIs. It could be a really ugly year for Hamilton. Now, at this time of the draft, yeah, it's. I guess you could say to yourself, "Oh, I'm really low on, on, on speed. Let me bank, you know, 35, 40 steals." But not necessarily. You shouldn't really think that way because if he's batting ninth on the Royals, he may get under like 550 plate appearances, and in that case he may just get you 30 steals and 30 steals with a 235 average and five home runs is just not worth rostering. If he was going later, like two, I, I honestly, I wouldn't consider Billy Hamilton's Hamilton until probably two thirty, two thirty. He'd have to be, he'd have to be there for me in like the 20, 21st, 22nd round to even consider him. And I'd have to have a, a, an absolute, hole at stolen bases like an absolute hole because uh, there's just nothing here to like honestly the situation is terrible he's in a worse way worse ballpark even though he had a bit of a swing change last year i don't know if you saw this bat but the 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 launch angle went from up to 14 and a half uh, degrees down up from where it was before which was like nothing yeah but you don't want that for him (laughs) exactly yeah yeah exactly but now but pair that with the fact that he's in kansas city too so like even if he does hit more fly balls, they're not going to go out of the yard. Um, so all in all, it's just – there's nothing to like here with Hamilton. I'm staying far away. I want nothing to do with him. 
Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. He needs to fall a lot further for me for me to be interested. Uh, I was always a Hamilton fan his first couple of years. I was a keeper. Why? He was one of my, he was, well, because I thought he was going to you know steal 60 bases, which he did a bunch of years. But I thought that average would be a lot better than it was. I thought he'd be a lot more productive player. Uh, I kept him that first year. I was really excited about him, but he's never panned out. Uh, if you have, let's say, an Aaron should have listened to the but, podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> like we said, uh, like I said about Inciarte, but it's even like tenfold with Billy Hamilton. If you have, let's say, a Judge and a Joey Gallo and uh, you have some super team, you have Arenado, whatever. You have a bunch of home runs covered. You can think about taking him as your third outfielder just to get you steals. But like you said, I'm not sure where he's going to hit in that lineup. You know, they got the lineup's not great. The only thing I do kind of might want to keep an eye on with him is the change of scenery. Now that he's out of Cincinnati, he might try to hit, you know, more line drives and ground balls and stop trying to hit home runs because he was never going to be a power hitter. Maybe the change of scenery does him good. But, yeah, I'm completely out on him at this price, and he's going to fall a lot for me for me to be interested. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little higher on him than you guys, but, I mean, I don't like the price at all. I think I'm closer to like 210 um, as to where I become interested. And I, and I think this might be a format-specific question. I mean, at this price where he's going, it's round 11 in a 15-team league. It's round 16 in a 12-team league. I think that's a little more forgivable because it's really like you're starting to look at your bench. And, and I think that that's – where Hamilton belongs right now. Um, you know, I think he's probably the best. He's probably his best format is probably a league where you have daily lineups where you can sub him in, sub him out. Um, he's always been a streaky player. So if he gets hot, he's starting to get on base. You plug him in, you bank the steals. He posts a couple of over fours. He goes back to the bench. Um, you know, and that's it. I mean, he's a one category guy right now. I mean, as Nick said, he's going to hit probably bet towards the back of the lineup, probably ninth. It's not a lineup that's going to turn over a bunch, so the volume won't be there. And then there's also the concern that he's on a one-year deal, and he's excellent defensively. So he's exactly the type of player that gets dealt and ends up being a defensive replacement. And then he's hit. you're, you're, you're paying for half a season for Kansas City's nine-hitter and then a defensive replacement when there are still plenty of capable assets still on the board. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not in on this price either. And, um, you know, to no one's surprise, the entire FWO doesn't like Billy Hamilton. Um, <laughs> 44th, Brandon Nimmo, 168.97, an impressive debut season for Nimmo, who appears to be in line for everyday leadoff duties. Do you have any reason to think he will not repeat or improve on his 2018 Jape, you mentioned Nimmo before, so I'm going to turn it to you. Yeah, it's going to be hard for him to improve because he did have a very nice season, but I think it's possible. Uh, I don't know how much he'll improve, but I think there's a little bit of room for improvement. Uh, the Mets have a better lineup. I think there's definitely a chance he's going to score more runs. He's got some better protection behind him. I think he's going to steal a few more bases. They're going to try to run him a little more. I could see 20 home runs and 15 steals which would be, make him a lot more valuable than a guy like Hamilton, a lot more valuable than a guy like Mazzara. I can't believe he's slotted below those guys. I like him so much more than them. I think he's pretty valuable at this pick. I'm all in, and I, I really like the player. I think he's going to be a solid fantasy contributor for years to come. 
Uh, Pat, you want to go second since you're a Met fan as well? Sure. I mean, uh, Nimmo's got elite patience, sub 20% ch- chase rate, gets on base a ton. Some of that's tied to a 351 BABIP in addition to the 15% walk rate. The BABIP is a little bit of a cause for concern. But when you look at Nimmo, he sort of had two different seasons. First half, he was hitting the ball in the air at a 40% clip and had 13 bombs. Second half, lots of ground balls. Um, ended up hitting for a higher average, but just four second-half homers. So really that's my big issue with Nimmo is I just don't know who he is at this point. Is he a potential 20-25 homer bat, or is he a 10-15 to 15 homer guy who might hit for 25 to 30 points higher on the batting average front? I want him to be the 20-25 guy, and I think a lot of the average that went to Babbitt can be made out and on the strikeout front. He's obviously got the pitch recognition skill. And I think he's got the ability to lower that K rate. But I'm, I, I don't mind the price, but I'm not pushing him higher than this, despite the fact that I really like the idea of him hitting leadoff for this team. I, I just don't think I have a good enough feel for him as a player at this point. So, uh, personally, I like him. This is from a non-Met fan. I like him a lot higher than this ADP. I'm taking him over Hamilton, Mazzara, um, Ian Desmond, and Ender Inciarte. Um I just think that this kid has all the tools to have an absolute breakout year this year and be a really unbelievable player. Uh, he's got some Jesse Winker in him. He's extremely patient. The OBP is absolutely insane. Um, and I think there's some upside with the power as well. Um, you know, the, the uh, exit velo is above league average. The launch angle is just under league average. That might, might change this year. If the cup goes up a couple ticks, uh, he could hit some more home runs. He struggled last year against lefties pretty bad. He hit 234. So if he, if he just swings – if there's a little bit less swing and miss in his game versus lefties, that average – I think he has a lot of upside with it, honestly. Even though the BABIP was high, I think he could be like a 265, 270 hitter. I really do. Um, he batted 275 versus righties on the year. He batted 279 in the second half. Um, so like Pat said, it's kind of like the tail of two halves with him, but – I think he's more the second-half player, and I think there's a lot to come with Brandon Nemo. I think he definitely has more of an upside with stolen bases as well. With that OBP, I mean, I don't think he gets to 404 again, but if he gets to, like, even close to it, that's 385. He's going to steal, like, 15 bags with his eyes closed, I think. Um, and this, I, I like the Met offense a lot. We all do. He's going to score a lot of runs this year. The county that's going to be there. So I, I like him a lot. You guys taking Mazzaro or Nemo? Nemo. Not close to me. I think I'd rather have Nemo, but it's okay. it is somewhat close. All right, all right. Let's move to Harrison Bader, forty fifth outfielder, one seventy one point five seven. Another player that proved impressive in his first full season is Bader, the NL Kiermaier. And do you think the offense continues to develop? Nick, I know you've got some strong opinions on Harrison Bader. Kick us off, Bader bomb. <laughs> love me some Harrison Bader. Um, listen, I, I my projections for him this year are pretty insane. I know that there's some issues with the batted ball profile, but I think that's going to improve. What I'm most, you know, the allure with Bader is obviously the power and speed combination and the improvements of the lineup, the major improvements of the lineup. There's going to be a ton of counting stats to be had here. Um, and I think that the fielding will keep him the job. Like his fielding will keep him on in the game's, and he's going to get a ton of at-bats. Um, I have him projected this year for 
22 home runs, 25 steals, 240 average. So I think the average is going to come down. But for me, he's an easy 2020 player um, with a ton of counting stats. I don't know where he's going to be in this lineup at all. I really don't. Um, I'm guessing he'll be slotted somewhere around like seven. If, if they're going to put Molina at six, I, I really am not sure yet. But regardless, it's still loaded. Like he's still got, got, got guys in front of him and he's going to get those counting stats. So I love him and I, I have him way higher than his ADP, way higher than his ADP as well. Yeah, I like what I saw from him last year, but I'm not completely sold on him. I can kind of see him having a similar stat line at the end of the year to Nimmo. I can compare them a little bit. I think he's going to have a little more speed. Nimmo probably has a little more pop. But I can see, like, the stat lines being kind of similar. Nimmo's going to walk more. But, I mean, I like the player. I'm not completely sold on him. I think he could be better than what Kiermaier has been. I think we've seen kind of Kiermaier's ceiling. I think this kid has a little more potential. I don't think we saw Kiermaier's ceiling. But, okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, (laughs) I agree. All right, so – you think you you carried, you covered a lot of what I was going to say. I, I like him. I'm not as high on him as you are. I think he's you know the lineup's going to be decent. But I saw he's going to bat around six or seven, like you said. You wish he was a little higher. I, I'm not. I'm okay with the price. I'm not crazy about him, but I think he's a solid player. Yeah, Bader's got a good balance batted ball profile. He's got the heavy line drive rate, a good balance between grounders and flies, and a 37 percent hard contact rate plus enough speed to beat out grounders and post a gaudy infield hit percentage. Uh, those are all good things for Babbitt. Bader also made a concerted effort to hit the ball in the air more during the second half, a 41% fly ball rate compared to 25% in the first half. Hard, hard contact was also up big in the second half. I do worry a little bit about the strikeout rate and the discipline numbers. He doesn't have the sort of patience I normally like to see with the strikeout rate in the high 20s. Of course, his minor league track record indicates that that number may come down since he was usually topping out around the mid-20s in terms of strikeout rate. So there's some room for growth there. Uh, I agree with you guys that I think that he's ticketed for a back-of-the-lineup role in the first instance, Um, you know, somewhere around 7th, 6th. I could see him being the 9-hitter as well with that trend as sort of the second leadoff guy as well. But I do think there'll be some pretty good juice here, you know, along the lines of 15 homers, 20 steals as sort of a max projection. Um, I think he's a good player. I don't mind the price, and he should stay in the lineup because the glove is so good. Give me, give me an sense, average average projection. I think I've got him hitting like 260. All right, so 15, 20, 260 is pretty damn good. Yeah, it is. At this point. It is. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Okay, 46, Byron Buxton, 178.69. He's another one that's starting to climb. He's up 11 spots in ADP since the turn of the new year. He's apparently yoked out of his mind, and positive buzz is starting to build. Is the price okay, or do you think Buxton is all hype and no substance? Nick, why don't you kick us off here? Oh, man. How do you put on 21 pounds uh, in one offseason? It's a lot of, lot of pancakes, a lot of pancakes, a lot of protein shakes. Um, so I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Uh, the kid has got major issues with his swing. Um, we saw it last year and the year before. It's, I think 2017 might be the Where's anomaly. my credit? Well, where's, where's every analysis credit? Come on. A lot of people would. 
it was split. A lot Are of you kidding me? A lot of an, a this lot guy of, was going like top sixty last year. A lot. Listen, all, what I'm saying is a lot of analysts were set, call, calling the bus wow, as well. That's it wasn't the last just time you. I ever give you credit for anything. I'll give you credit, but I'll, I'll give Joey credit as well. He also hated Buxton too, right? Oh no, he was with me. Yes. Okay. All right. You know what? You start us off, then, you big <laughs> damn. <laughs> Go. Listen, I mean, like, I look at this, and I think it's sort of similar to Hamilton. I'd feel a lot better if this price was post-200. I don't care about what condition he's in. He could be in good shape. It could be in bad shape. I think it's meaningless. Um, the st- Buxton's strength is not going to resolve what his biggest issue is, which is plate discipline. It might um, make it worse. Yeah, it's completely possible. It could completely mess with his swing again and throw him completely off. Um, or he might try and swing extra hard and get aggressive because he thinks he's got more power and strike out more. Um, I mean, you do have to acknowledge the upside. I've said it for years that I think that Buxton's likely upside is like the good BJ Upton years in Tampa. Oh, um, man, I just got excited. Except he's <laughs> probably got less on the walk rate. But we're not even close to that at this point. There are other players going in and around this area that present power and speed, like we just talked about with Bader, um, and are much further along at this point. And things got worse last year for Buxton. And they didn't get any better when he came back from injury and was playing in AAA. So there's no signs of growth. And unlike Mankata or, or Mazzara, who I talked about earlier, there's, there's no utility here without the growth. At least you can say Mazzara's going to get decent runs and RBIs hitting in the middle of the Texas lineup. At least you can say Mancata is going to steal you 15 or 20 bags. Definitely. You can't say that about Buxton because we've seen him be sent down. Uh, the White Sox aren't going to send down Mancata. Um, you know, like with, like with Bader, Buxton's probably ticketed for a roll at the back of the lineup. He's going to struggle with run production. I, I just don't see much appeal at this price for what's basically a flyer. All right. Uh, this is extremely hard to tell. When you talk about it, this is all hype pick. It's really hard to tell. I'm not as low on him as you guys are. I'm not buying him at this price, but I am buying the possibility of his breakout still this year. I think I'd take a chance on him at a few picks later than this. In 20, uh, We haven't really seen him play since 2017 because he played 28 games last year, and he had to battle a bunch of injuries. He had a bunch of setbacks. He never quite made it back on the field. But in 2017, he had 16 home runs and 29 stolen bases. If he can repeat that kind of year on a, the, the lineup is pretty good. I think, you know, the counting stats can go up. I can see a 20 home run. If he's that yoked, I can see a 20 home run and 30 stolen base season out of him with, you know, decent counting stats. I think he could be more valuable than a guy like Billy Hamilton for sure. But uh, I'm not going to take him at this price, but if he slides a little bit, I'll have my eye on him as a possible, you know, breakout candidate. All right. Give us a number. For what, average or? No, for, or for where you would take him. Uh, so we have him at 178 here. I mean, I'd consider, depending on how my roster looks and I have to, you know, if I can afford to take a little bit of a risk, I'd take him probably 10 picks after this. Well, I mean, at this point, you can take risks. I mean, we're talking yeah. pick 170. So, so 190, goes to 190, I'd probably take a shot on him if I'm, you know, confident in my team and, and I feel like I can take the risk. All right, let's move to Hunter Renfro, 179.37, the 47th overall outfielder. 
It's a crowded outfield situation in San Diego, but the market is betting that Renfro emerges. Do you think he sees the playing time? And what is the power upside, Nick? I know that this is a guy that you've been on for quite a while. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so um, with Renfro, you know, coming up, I watched a lot of video on him, and I just fell in love with the swing and the power. Um, the kid's got real, raw, ridiculous power. It's just that he's, in, he's been in a really bad situation in San Diego. The last couple of years, the star players has got, have gotten injured. Um, but the lineup is much improved. I just don't know where he gets this playing time from, honestly. I, I, the market is buying it, but what, where is he getting his playing time? Can, can someone tell me? I mean, Fran Mill is going to be there, and I, I'm projecting Fran Mill to be a very solid player this year. Um, Manny Margot is definitely the better outfielder. And then you've got Will Myers, who's going to get his playing time. So, and what about Franchino? And then you, yeah, oh. and you got Franchino too. I mean, I, I just if if he does get his playing time, it's it's going to be I think even less than last year. He had four hundred four hundred and forty one plate appearances. I haven't projected for under four hundred. Um, so I, I don't see the value when the day comes where he's where he's guaranteed to get six hundred at bats. Lock him in for thirty home runs. Um, and a 240-plus average. But until then, there's no I – don't, I, don't, I don't understand. What, Pat, why is the ADP so high? What are people hoping for here? Well, he closed the year I know, on an but, insane stretch. That's what they're but, buying. But, but where is he playing? Yeah, I, yeah. I know. I, I'm with you, Nick. I, I, don't, I don't feel confident at all that he's going to play over all these other guys. I have no idea how this situation is going to work out. Because there's four guys for two positions. And I don't think Renfro can play center. So he's really got to get in that corner and stick there. And I don't know that he does. This is a situation where it, it reminds me a little bit of the Milwaukee outfield last year where uh, Domingo Santana just went completely like belly up because there was no spot for him to play. And I don't feel confident that Renfro is definitely a guy that's locked in. So I, I feel that way about Renfro right now. I mean, the skills are good, are great. If I could guarantee him the full-time playing time, if he was traded or if somebody else was traded out of the situation, I would absolutely be in on him. You're talking about 47% hard contact rate, fly ball profile, clear, career homer to fly ball rate of 20%, 19 second half homers. And even with that eye-popping number, the home of the fly ball rate was only 23%. So, I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of reasonableness. You know, we're not talking about Luke Voigt, who had a 40% home of the fly ball rate, or Christian Yelich that had a 50% home of the fly ball rate in the second half. Um, this was within Renfro's true talent level. I, I think the upside's like 35, but that's if the playing time is there. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that Hits for a ton of power. The strikeout rate's not crazy. He was at 23%. Um, if he's living there with this sort of power, it, it sort of reminds me of uh, a prime Mark Trumbo in terms of what he is because he doesn't have a great walk rate either. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what to make of it at this price because I don't know what to make of this situation. This strikes me as the type of situation where I might get a share or two, but I'm going to take the last two that are on the board. I'm not going to take – I'm not going to take Renfro first. I'm not going to pay the premium for him when I can get Franchino, you know, 130 picks later. Where, where is Fran Mill going? What's his ADP? 
Friend Mill is I don't know it off the top of my head. Why don't we let Jape talk on Renfro and I'll yeah. look that up? So I agree with a lot of what you guys said. I think if this guy, let's say you just slot him in like behind Votto in Cincinnati or like in Philadelphia, yeah, he's in a great ballpark. He's and he gives him his six hundred at bats, like you said, he's absolutely hitting thirty. It doesn't even it doesn't have to be though. It could right. be in he San Diego. 20, right. I agree. That's what I'm saying though. He hit twenty six back to back years in San Diego with limited playing time. So I 100% agree that he's got the potential to hit 30-plus home runs if he's given the playing time. I don't know. I completely agree that it's confusing with this ADP. I don't know where he's going to play. But now that they have Machado, I did a little research. His, his career versus lefties batting average is 282. Against righties, it's 228. So I think – I don't know why the ADP is that high, but I think they're clearly going to slot him in behind Machado when they face a tough lefty, and he's going to get his at-bats that way. But, I, I mean, there's a lot of competition. I'm – Definitely out on this ADP because you can't guarantee any playing time. I, I like the player, but the, like you guys said, the situation is terrible and it's confusing. Okay, so Fran Mills at 222.1. So he's about 50 picks later. Yeah, and wouldn't you rather have Fran Mill straight up in a vacuum overall more? I think so. I think Fran Mills... It's, for me, it's not even close. I, I, I don't know that it's not even close. I do, want, I do like Fran Mill better. You know, if I gave, if I gave six hundred plate appearances the ball in an equal setting, I think Fran Mill would be better. But yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's you know hands down, no doubt. Margot is two seventy five point two two, and Franchino is all the way down there at three eighty five point one. Yeah, but Margot is like their only true center fielder, though. Yeah, but I think Franch I think Franchi could play center. Franchi could play center, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to see. I think it's a wait-and-see situation. And now that they have Machado, maybe they're more open to dealing one of these guys and try and get a pitcher in. I yeah. mean, that's 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 been my thought all along, is now they'll go out and they'll try and get a, get an arm that can actually pitch other than Matt Strong. If they package Margot and Renfro, they could get something decent. Yeah, I would think they could. Okay, let's move to Austin Meadows, 48th, 185.87. Another player you have to worry a little bit about the playing time in Tampa. Do you think Meadows can seize the opportunity and work his way to the top of the Tampa lineup? Jape, why don't you kick us off on this one? All right. I was a Meadows owner last year. I wanted to keep him, but I ended up getting rid of him because he didn't really do too much. I like the player. I'm not crazy about the situation. He's potentially batting sixth or lower in that lineup. I think he'll have the playing time, but I don't know if he'll get, you know, bumped up in that lineup. I can see him kind of being a 15-15 guy, like maybe a poor man's Brandon Nimmo, with not as good as on-base percentage, but, you know, for the home run steal combination, I think he could be decent. I think if, you know, you're heading close to 200 picks in the draft, he's not a bad pick here in case he does have that breakout season and you're in a keeper league, you want to hang on to him. He's young. He's got a ton of upside. I don't love the situation though. I think at the bottom of the race lineup is not where you want a guy that could, you know, steal bases and, you know, really shine on the base pads. I like the player. Don't love the situation. Not crazy about the pick, but I couldn't fault you if you took him here. Uh, yeah, so I really like the player. Um, and as far as playing time goes, I think he's going to get his at-bats because uh, he's, to me, the solidified third outfield on, on this team. And I don't think there's going to be much, um, uh, uh, what you call competition. So you're not uh, worried about Avisil Garcia? No, not even a little bit. Okay. I think I, I think Meadows is the guy. Um, I think that, uh, you know, he was a highly touted prospect coming up. 
Um, he had a little bit of a rough stretch in his, in his first go about, but I think this is a good. I think this is actually a good spot for him. Um, the, the Kiermaier is probably going to start the year to lead off, but Kiermaier is always injured. Um, Fam is another guy who is not injury prone, but has been injured on and off. Um, and Wendell's not really proven yet, so there's definitely some spots to be had at the top if Austin Meadows starts out hot. Um, but look, I think that he's a good average hitter. He's going to get on base, and why not push him towards the top? Uh, and if he does get there, I really I think the power has a lot of upside. Um, if you looked at the stat cast, the barrels are good, the angle is good, the exit velo is good, and the sprint speed is definitely good. So. I think he's a potential 20-plus, 20-plus guy with good average. So I really like the price on him, and I really like the player. I like him a lot. Yeah, if it were me making the lineup, I don't think there would be an issue. But there's a lot of mouths to feed in Tampa. They're always mindful of service time and the like. I wouldn't be stunned if Meadows does not start the year in Tampa. But even if he, even if he does, even, even if he doesn't, I, I don't think it'll be long before he makes his way up. Um, I'm less concerned about him making his way to the top, but I don't think you can expect it right away. Um, he would fit really nicely in this lineup right in between Kiermaier and Pham. Uh, speculation is that he's going to hit seventh, but the path is definitely there for him to climb up, as Nick mentioned. Um, he was 18 homers, 17 steals across multiple le- levels last year, an extremely successful runner. I think there's 20 homer, 25 steal upside with about a 275 average. I largely view Meadows, Bader, and the next guy as the same sort of talent. And I think that Meadows may have the most upside of that group. Hmm. So the next guy that I just mentioned, 49th, Ramon Laureano, 191.13. Similar to Bader, Laureano seized every day at bats in the second half. Heading into 2019, he's slated for a full-time role. What do you foresee for his sophomore campaign? Jape, why don't you kick us off? All right. I'm a little skeptical on this ADP. I think it's a bit high for a player that we, you know, we got a very small sample size of. He only played 48 games. He showed some good stuff. Yeah, but they were were sexy 48 games. They were sexy games. But I'm going to give you some of the advanced stats that you love so much. The uh, strikeout rate was 28.4. The BABIP was 388. That that has to fall in a larger sample size. Uh, he struggled a lot against breaking balls. He was kind of, you know, not unknown, but, you know, there was no real scouting report against him. Once people realize he can't hit the breaking ball, he's going to struggle even more. He's hitting towards the end of that lineup. I don't – I think the price is a bit too high for him here. He's obviously got some talent, but I think I'm going to pass on him. A couple guys that we're going to talk about next that I like more. So uh, that's that's my take on him. I think he's – I mean, it was a very small sample size. I'm not going to buy it and take him at this pick. Well, I am completely buying it. I absolutely love this kid, and I love him over, like, everyone. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. One – I'm going to make you a guarantee right now, a Nick Ligatino guarantee. I only do this Uh-oh. twice a year, and I'm usually right. I'm, I'm 60% of the time, I'm right every time. I project that this kid will – I'm guaranteeing that this kid will be the leadoff or number two hitter on this team by the middle of April. Writing um, that down. Wow. Write it down. Yeah. It's, it's been written down. Yep. Um, listen, that's that's Mark- full-time leadoff, right? Yep. Okay. And that's a guarantee. That's not a prediction. That's a, that's guarantee. a guarantee. That's a spoiler. It's a, it's a guarantee. 
Um, it, listen, in my opinion, we spoke a lot about Profar, and we like the player. I like the player. I have no qualms with the guy. But the OBP is just not strong enough for me to put him at the top of this lineup, um, or, nor will he stay there uh, throughout the season. I think Laureano is definitely the guy. He takes a walk. He gets on base. He's got pop. He's got the speed. He's probably the fastest guy in the starting lineup. Um, so I think he's going to get to that leadoff spot. Martini will probably st- um, uh, stick around at uh, two, possibly, because the OBP is just so strong. But I really think Laureano is going to be the leadoff guy in, on this team. And if he is, he's going to score 100 runs with his eyes closed. Um, he's got a good glove. There's a lot to like in this kid, a lot of speed, a lot of pop. Um, I know the Babbitt last year was insane, 388 over 288 average, but I still think that he'll be a high average hitter and a high Babbitt guy going forward. He hits the ball so hard. Um, the key rate from 28 point, 28.4% last year, I think that's going to come down a good two, maybe even 3%. It's just not in his peripherals at a, as, a, as a prospect. So I love Laureano. I have him way higher than his ADP and give me all the A's this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm closer to Nick on this one. It was an extremely intriguing uh, small sample at the major league level with five homers, seven steals. Um, strikeout rate was a little high, but I think it should have been a little lower based on discipline. His chase rate was under 30%, and the swinging strike rate was just 11%. So I think at 28% is probably a little high. There's probably room for it to come down. To what? I would I would project him right now at probably about twenty four. Yeah, all right, twenty four. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, it is because I think the plus Babip is is for real. I mean, I don't think he's a three eighty eight Babip guy, but I think he's got the skills to hit for a plus Babip. And as you mentioned, he's got the ability to take a walk as well. So you know you can live with him as like a two fifty five, two sixty guy. Um, the A's like the platoon. I think that Laureano is going to see time in the leadoff spot against lefties. That will help smooth some of the run and RBI production issues because otherwise he'll be hitting towards the back of the lineup. I do expect him to play most days uh, because the defense is really good. So there is the potential that, you know, he shows some growth against same-headed pitching and makes his way to the top of the lineup that way. But even if he doesn't, you know, I think there's going to be enough homer and steel juice here. For him to be valuable, I would project him extremely similar to Bader, um, except I think Loriano's path to the top of the lineup is probably a little clearer Definitely. than Bader's. Um, I don't think that there's really much of a path for Bader barring significant injury. I think Loriano can seize a spot at the top of this lineup. I don't expect it by mid-April, but would I be stunned if it's the middle of June and he's the everyday leadoff hitter? No. Um, so yeah, I like the price. I'm, I'm in. All right. Before we move on real quick, I know we're on a little time constraint here, but 600 at bat projection, home run, stolen base average, Pat, go. Um, I think it was 16, 21, 260. Jake. Yeah. I'm right around the same. I, I go 15, 20. Yeah, I'm not to be boring, but it's probably around the same. All right. I would, I would go 17, 28, 250. Yeah, yeah. I remember the A's don't like to run that much, but who who have they had that could really run that much? Coco Crisp. Yeah, Coco Crisp. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. That was, that was a quick answer. Good one. Dude. Yeah, well, it was right. 
<laughs> All right, 50th, Corey Dickerson, 198.29. Dickerson was a different player last year from what he's been in the past. Do you buy the changes, and do you think he can tap more into his power without losing the batting average? Jape, why don't you kick us off? Uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think so. I think what he did last year was, you know, obviously sacrifice power for a better average. And he became maybe an all-around better hitter, but it didn't really help him fantasy-wise. Uh, his 13 home runs were down from 24 and 27 the years before. I don't know what it is about this guy, but I'm just not excited by him. I think he's kind of boring. I know I what don't, it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't love the lineup. Uh, other than last year, he struck out a ton. I know like, we, it, that came down last year, and he batted 300. Does he do that again? Possibly, and maybe hits 20 home runs. But I'm not that crazy about it. I think he's a boring player. I he doesn't really move the needle for me, and I like. I think he's a bit overrated here, and I like the next few guys who we're going to talk about, Jesse Winker, Kyle Schwarber. I like them all ahead of him. Uh, Pat, you can go second. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there was some growth on the contact front, especially up in, up in the zone at 80%. Um, he's long been one of the best bad ball hitters. Uh, he's, he's got a high chase rate, but he makes a lot of contact outside the zone. I agree with Jabe. I think he's either going to be a 290-15 homer guy or like a 255-260-25 homer guy. Um, I, what, I, what I found most interesting about him was that he swiped eight bags and was fairly successful in doing so. Um, the Pittsburgh offense is going to be somewhat station-to-station, so I wouldn't be stunned if he put together like a 260-265-25 homer, 10-steal season. And he's likely going to hit in the middle of this lineup because there's just not a lot of proven commodities there. So I actually kind of like this price. I think he's kind of sneaky valuable at this price, regardless of which player he turns out to be, whether it's the 290-15 homer guy or the 260-25 homer guy. Yeah, I agree with you, Pat. Um, Look, it's tough to own Corey Dickerson because he gets Corey Dickerson cold. But last year, he didn't get Corey Dickerson cold at all. Uh, Month to month, he was pretty consistent. And first half, the second half, um, batting average was uh, like almost identical. I think it was separated by 10 points, like 280 and 290, something, whatever it was. Um, But it was was very close. Um, There's definitely more power than 13. I think last year was the anomaly as far as power goes. Uh, He's definitely got it. He's got the angle. He's got the um, exit velo. Uh, I like him for 20 home runs, close to eight steals. I don't think he'll get to that number again, but Pittsburgh does like to run, so maybe he does. Yeah, but even but, if it's a five, you know. Yeah, even if it's a five, give me 20, give me 25, 285, and I'm happy at this price, but out of doubt. So I like the price on him, and he's going to be batting at a, good, at a good part of that lineup. So I, I like the price here on Dickerson. Yeah, it's 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 sort of a boring play, but – I mean, there's not really much of a difference between him and David Peralta if you're factoring in reasonable regression for Peralta, right? Yeah, agreed. Okay, 51st, Jesse Winker, 202.24. Great OBP, developing power, good batting average, but you have to worry about the playing time. Do you think this is Winker's breakout year? And do you have him over or under 17 and a half homers? Nick? I will, of course, let you kick this one off. Yeah, so this is interesting. Um, first of all, if I'm the coach, no, I'm not worried about playing time, and I'm batting him leadoff like every day for the rest of his life. The kid is an on-base percentage Yeah, but machine. you're not the coach, so what do you think? I'm not the coach. 
So what I think is they probably start the year off with stupid Jose Peraza at leadoff, and they go with probably Jeanette Vado Suarez, and then maybe Winker sixth or something like that. I don't. I, I really don't know. I would put Puig to. Uh, who the hell knows what the Reds are going to do? They're a weird team. They were very weird last year with that. But what about Matt Kemp? I, I, well, exactly. What about Matt Kemp? And what about the, the prospects that are going to come up? Senzel, and what about yeah, yeah Senzel that same was playing center field, and they're going to try him out. So it's tough. But honestly, I think that like when they got Kemp, I thought it was a nice pairing. Like they put some veteran leadership, a guy who gets on base and who has some who's ha- had some success recently. Um, and who could add – who's a perfect, perfect number five hitter. So I don't know if they're going to trade any of these guys. I really don't know how to project Winker this year because I, I do think that Senzel is going to be up early, and when he comes up, he's staying in the lineup because he's, he's awesome. Um, I like the ADP. I like the upside. It's just hard to project this. I, I don't know. There's, we don't need to get into his, to his advanced at all. He's amazing at the plate, has a sick eye and, and ridiculous patience with pop upside and some speed. It's just a matter of playing time. Yeah, this, I agree with you that it's very hard to you know, predict what he's going to do. If he, you know, given the full playing time, I think we can see, you know, 17 home runs might be a bit much, but, you know, 15, 16, I'd probably go under 17. Love the ballpark, love the player, love the lineup, but it's just weird. I think the breakout could come, but I don't know how, like, to the point where he's a solid everyday player and you could plug him into your lineup, but I don't know how high that ceiling gets. I'm a bit skeptical until I see him, you know, sustain power at the major league level and get a full share of playing time. That being said, in terms of sex appeal, he is a sexier pick than Corey Dickerson. Not to kill him, I'm just very bored with Corey Dickerson. I think. Like, if you look at these two guys in similar spots in the draft, I think Winker has a higher upside. And just, you know, if you look towards keepers and possible breakouts, I think he's a sexier pick. Who's, who's playing center? Like, if it's not Senzo? I think uh, it's Puig. Puig? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, either that or it's Shebler, and then Shebler and Kemp are going to platoon. Oh, it's gonna be and bad. And then Puig is playing center against lefties. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be a very good defensive outfield. But yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. Skill wise, I have very few doubts on Winker. I mean, he walked more than he struck out, fourteen percent over thirteen percent. After a slow start, the power started to come with a forty-seven percent hard contact rate, while keeping a blood a plus batting average. Forty-seven percent on the year. No, it was from, I believe, May forward. Wow. Because he went all of April without hitting a home run. Wow, that's still that's impressive. Um, I have Winker for 18 bombs, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got to 20 in a Great American. I, I really like guys that have that sort of contact profile in Great American because it helps power so much. I believe that for lefty power, it was the best home park for, for hitters in terms of power, even better than Yankee Stadium. So I, I think Jesse Winker is going to be a really, really nice asset this year. I like the fact that the playing time question is keeping his value down somewhat. Um, and, and, you know, as for where the breakout comes, listen, the breakout is he hits leadoff for this team every day and the lineup is insane and he scores over 100 runs. And he's basically Shinsu Chu. That's the, that's the breakout. 
Give me a give me an at bat over under. I think that's a lot more important than the, than the home run over under. I mean, if you take injury out of the equation, if you just look at him for for what is there right now and what mm-hmm. I would say, right now I would project him for five thirty. Oh well, all right. That's that's money then at this point if you get him. Yeah, I think so. See, I'm I'm going just under five hundred. I just I just don't. I would give him seven hundred if I could, but well, I think at, he's I think he's got a shot to get all, well a little over five hundred even in part time because he's going to hit leadoff when he does play. Yeah, but I mean, when Senzel comes up, you know he's here to stay, and then him and Puig are locks, and then it just becomes a matter of what do we do at Matt? Kim? Yeah, but then they could trade. Then they could trade Puig. If, yeah, because Puig's on the on one year deal, and so's Kemp. Yeah, but I don't know. I think the Reds are kind of going for it. Like, nah, making... I, I was yeah. gonna say, I think the best thing for a, a Winker owner might be if you know the Reds fall out of it by June, and they they trade off a Puig or a Kemp, and then he's able to just you know do his thing in the second half. That might be your best bet. Yep, I think so too. Okay, fifty second, Kyle Schwarber, two hundred four point five seven. Schwarber is falling down the boards. Is the skill set that he possesses just not as valuable anymore, or do you think the market is overlooking him? Jape, you indicated that you like Schwarber. Go right yeah. ahead and tell us why. I like him better than Dickerson and Winker because I just think he's still got a monster power potential. I think one of these years he's going to hit close to 40 home runs. It might be this year. I know he strikes out a ton, but and he's kind of becoming this generation's Adam Dunn, and he doesn't really have a position. But I, he I think he was Adam Dunn. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's true. Adam Dunn, you said forty bombs. Like Adam Dunn is the greatest. But, yeah, I, I just think you know he's on a good team, a good lineup. He's gonna get better counting stats most likely than than a guy like Dickerson. I think he's got potential. Like he's only hit thirties as max, but he's you know was injured in two thousand sixteen. He had twenty six last year. You wish the average is better. You wish he didn't strike out that much. I think of. I don't think he's ever going to hit for a high average, but I think he'll learn to maybe be that bigger slugger and, and hit 35 home runs. And this might be the year I'm in on him at the price. I think he's worth a pick. And uh, yeah, I think he's a solid pick at this this spot. Yeah. I don't mind him. Um, Obviously you don't start him against lefties. He's atrocious. He can't hit home runs or for average. It's, it's really just a waste there. You have to platoon him if you own him. Um, but I do like the player at this point because I think it's guaranteed pop and it's hard to get guaranteed pop at this point of the draft. Um, you, if you plug him in against righties, if you're in a head to head league or a daily and you could plug him in against righties on, on, a, on a daily basis, then go right ahead. That's, that's the way to use him. But as far as rostering him, it's tough to own a guy like this. I mean, you got to get somebody who hits lefties really well and shuffle them. Um, uh, so um, I, I, I probably wouldn't buy Schwarber. It really is completely based on team comp and league settings um, for it to make sense. Um, but overall, in a standard league, I'd probably not draft uh, Schwarber here. Yeah, I, to me, I think it's partly the skill set is readily available, and it's partly that the Cubs aren't going to give him high-end volume. You know, you guys have hinted that he doesn't hit lefties well, um, so there's the potential he gets platooned. And even if he doesn't, the Cubs are just famous for cycling their guys in and out. That's what Joe Madden likes to do. So, you know, I, I just don't think that the volume is ever going to be there. Um, 
given the fact that there's a 40% hard contact rate and changes in the batted ball mix, I'm willing to buy some of the BABIP growth. So that provides a little bit of a floor on the batting average side for a player that strikes out close to 30% of the time. I mean, I think he's okay, but I mean, like, what's the difference between Kyle Schwarber and Jay Bruce? Well, Jay Bruce is was like, I mean, what right now you mean? In terms or of like what the, they can do. Uh, Jay Bruce has hit over 30 home runs like 10 times and stole over 10 bases like a bunch of times and batted like 250. Well, Jay Bruce is going to steal 10 bases. I mean, yeah, but he has. I, uh, you're about this year? Yeah. I'm talking about, won. I'm talking about like what they can do. Like Kyle Schwarber can hit 30 bombs and hit like 240. Can Jay Bruce do that? Yeah, that's what Jay Bruce is. That's my point. And Jay Bruce isn't on this list. So you're so you're paying up for a guy that gives you what Jay Bruce gives you. You love Jay Bruce. You bring him up all the time. <laughs> I do like Jay Bruce because he's I always like cheap. Too. He is always cheap. <laughs> cheap power. Whereas Kyle Schwarber just – I mean, this isn't a bad price. And when he plays, he'll hit like five in the, in, in the Cubs lineup, and that's nice. But I, I, I just don't know that there's, you know, this sort of like – mythical upside and i guess the market doesn't believe it anymore either but i mean he's always been a guy that seems to have had his supporters that believe there was some major breakout coming and it's just he's he's like a strong side platoon guy that's what he is yeah all right adam eaton 206.31 53rd eaton has been incredibly unlucky with the injury bug but was productive when he returned last year are you willing to place a bet at this price that he can stay healthy Nick, take us off. So I've never been an Eaton guy. I felt like the price has always been a little too high for my liking in the past for a guy who's really like a 15-15 guy, but it comes with really good counting stats. It's, it has come with good counting stats and a good average. Um, so I'm still going to take the pass here, and for other reasons this season. First of all, I think the ADP is actually good on him. This is actually a good ADP, but – I really think that he's going to have a problem with stolen bases going forward. Last year, he was 251st in the league in sprint speed. I know that he had injuries, whatever, and now he might be healthy going into the season. But he's also an aging speedster. That's an issue. Um, is somebody eating a Snickers bar? <laughs> I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'd like one, though. Pat, what are you doing? Over I'm not doing anything. I'm not eating anything. Oh, it's definitely Jape doing something weird over there. Just sitting here, <laughs> just sitting here eating a Snickers bar. I'm watching Joe and Artie bracketology. All right. All right anyway, um, so yeah, Eaton. Uh, look, if I had to give him a projection this year for at bats, I would say just under 400 based on injury history. Um, but if he goes over, yeah, it's good. He's a guy that could still go 15, 10, and hit 300 and get you, you know, 90 runs. But uh, he's just never been a guy that excites me. And now he's but Pat said, all oh, the, it's been fluky injuries. No, he's always been injured and I'm out on him. When did I say it was fluky? Well, what did you say? Bad luck. Yeah. I said, he's been incredibly unlucky with the injury bug. Yeah. I think, I think he's just injury prone. I don't think it's been any bad luck. He's just injury. prone. Well, okay. All right. Well, he's listen, injury in the first, in the first instance, we just should, be thankful that Joe is not on this show with his 150 run projection for Adam Eaton. <laughs> I think it was 130 in, in April. He was on base for that. But. But, 
But I, I hinted at this last week. Listen, Eaton's a player that's burned a lot of people with injuries, and he's getting pushed down because of that, despite being presumptively the one or two hitter in a lineup that still features Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Brian Dozier, Ryan Zimmerman. That, that's a lot of good hitters, and he's going to be hitting one or two in that lineup. Last year, Michael Brantley was going around the same spot, and Nick and Joe both said, He's off my board. He's too injury prone. I wouldn't even bother with him. And I said, no, I still like the value enough and the potential enough to pull the trigger. And Brantley stayed healthy and was a significant value. Now, Eaton and Brantley are extremely similar players. Um, High average, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, lots of run production. I'm I'm in at this price. I, I, I this is the kind of spot where I don't mind taking a risk and Eaton's a guy that's shown a top fifteen type top twenty outfield season before. Um and to your point, Nick, about the speed, he's never really been fast. He's more been a savvy guy. Yeah. Um so I'm not terribly worried about any kind of loss of speed because one, the stolen base totals don't have to be that high. And two, he's a guy that's pretty much always been willing to run at a decent enough clip and been successful enough at a decent enough clip that he finds his way to, you know, that 15 to 18 mark on a full season pace. All right. So you guys know I've always been an Eaton guy. It's funny. Every player we've spoken about tonight, we've talked about launch angle. We talked about Babbitt. We talked about ground ball rate. With this guy, we're not talking about any of that. We know the skill set. We know the player. We know the potential. It all comes down to him being healthy. And if he's healthy, you, you sign up. If you, if you tell him he's going to play 130 games, you'd sign for that, and he's going to score 100 runs easy. Uh, you mentioned they're going to lose Harper and, and Murphy, but that lineup is still pretty good. If he's hitting at the top and he gets you 15 home runs, 15 steals, a great counting stats, and a 300 average, ton of walks, he's a great player. I can't knock somebody if they want to put him off their board and they're not going to take the injury risk on him. I am a little worried and I don't want to be burned again. I had, I was burned with him last year, but I know at this point in the draft, if he falls to me and he's sitting there, I don't think I'm going to be able to resist the temptation to take him. I'm still an Adam Eaton fan. I'm still, you know, in on him at this price. You just got to pray he stays healthy. We don't know as much about injuries as we think we do. No, it's true. Okay, 54, Ryan Braun, 209.54. He's got first base eligibility in 10-game formats. Is Braun another underappreciated veteran, or do you think the draft price is warranted? Nick, I have to hear what you have to say about Ryan Braun. Yeah, I'm glad that you, I was gonna I was going to interrupt if you picked Jeep and say, let me take this, <laughs> because I am in love with Braun at this yeah, price. Yeah, I like for, the price, for, too. For a lot of reasons. Number one, the outfield is less crowded. That is number one, first and foremost. Last year, he didn't get a lot of at-bats due to one injury and two crowded outfield. This year, the Brewers are going for it. They're loaded. He is going to get a lot of at-bats. Um, if you look at the projections, I know that the um, the systems have him projected for like 450 or less in most of them, but I think he's going to get over 500. Um and if there's anyone that uh, at this point you're going to take a shot on to stay healthy and have a huge ceiling, it's Braun. Last year in the first half, he batted 235, was terrible in May. But in the second half, he walked more. He struck out less. He hit 281 in the second half. The pop is definitely still there. 
91.9 mile per hour exit velo last year. It's his fastest since 2015. Um, look, bottom line is this. He's, I love the age discount. It's one of my favorite things in baseball. We do it every year. See David Ortiz, Paul Canerco, um, um, Lance Carnacion. And Carnacion. This Lance year, Berkman. Nelson Cruz. This year, Nelson Cruz. It's going to also be Ryan Braun. I love him. He's going into the year finally fully healthy. He's sl- slotted in the three spot, though at worst case scenario, the four spot. He has no platoon issues. I am salivating if I get Ryan Brunn at this price. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with the price. I think it's correct. I don't think he's being undervalued at all. I'm not as high as you are, but I do like the price. I do like the player. He's, I've never owned him. He's been in the league 12 years. I've never owned him once. It just never worked out. I think this year I might take a chance on him. Uh, he hit 20 home runs last year. And like you mentioned, great lineup. He's going to get more playing time this year. If he stays healthy, he's going to get a ton of – he's going to play almost every game. I like him over Winker, over Dickerson, over Eaton. But I'm not going crazy like you are. I think if you have a great – if you have, let's say, an Aaron Judge and you plug him in as your second outfielder, that's pretty good. Or if you have two solid – other outfielders, and he's your third. James, I think you're in great shape. James, do you know, like, one outfielder? That's, like, the fourth time you've been like, yeah, if you have Aaron Judge. <laughs> well, there are I'm other really outfielders, out. damn it. I'm, I'm very high on Aaron Judge, if you haven't noticed. I'm very high yeah, on him. You're very high on something. I think that, that's a guy that's under, undervalued, by the way, in ADP. But all, right, all right, stick to Go ahead. Yeah, so I, I said my piece. I, I'm fine with the price. I think it's correct. I don't think he's being undervalued. And I, I think he's going to be in for another good season. Well, I'm, Pat, with, I'm you... with Nick here, definitely. I think he's undervalued. The injuries are definitely a concern, but the Brewers have enough depth to give him an odd day off here and there to keep him mostly healthy. Plenty of hard contact, good batted ball profile. I think the BABIP is low last year. I expect it to bounce back. There's no problem with the K rate. He still ran a bit and has the ability to run with 25 homer pop. So, I mean, you could reasonably be looking at a player that – and the projection systems aren't far off this – that could go 25, 10 to 15 50. steals, yeah. hit 275, 280, and turn in top 30 outfield value very easily inside of a great lineup. Um, and I don't think that's his ceiling, what you just said. I don't know if the ceiling is much beyond that because I don't know that the playing time is going to be there for him to – get to another level beyond that. Um, they have – last year they almost had too much outfield depth. Now with Domingo Santana gone and Keon Broxton gone, Thames is sort of the guy that can play the corners and give a break to Braun and give a break to Kane with Yelich going into center. Um, I, I think that that's a better sort of situation for Braun. Um, I don't think he'll get as many odd days off, but he'll get en- enough to keep him healthy. But I mean, regardless, you're, you're, I mean, he's going to hit somewhere between three and five in this lineup. It's loaded. I mean, they've had a Mustakis now. They've got Grandal. Both those guys will be behind him even if he's hitting five. So the run production should be there. I, I think this is fantastic value. Okay, let's move it to Jose Martinez, two eleven point two three, fifty fifth overall. Has first base. Listen, I like Jose Martinez as much as the next guy, but where the hell is he playing? 
Yeah, so he's he's possibly the worst defensive player in the entire league. Um, he, he, he very well might be number one. Uh, if anyone who's watched him last year, it was really, really, really tough to watch. Um, so I think it is going to be tough to him to get at-bats this year. Last year, when he did play, he mostly played first base, and he's had trouble there. Now they have Goldschmidt, so I don't know what they do with him. Yeah, and I if really something don't. happened to Goldschmidt, they would put Carpenter over there to keep him healthy. Yeah. So he's double like, blocked at first. Yeah, and he played outfield, and you definitely can't put him in the outfield because you've got three solid outfielders in Bader, Fowler, and they're not moving oh. Ozuna. So no. I just – And they've got Tyler O'Neill. And oh, who's who? I I love Tyler yeah. by the way too. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know where he gets a playing time. I I'm guessing that if I had to give him an AB under over it, it would be somewhere around 300, and that's only because if someone gets injured, he'll get he'll be the one the next guy up. Um. But I do like the player. He's he's a good high average hitter. But I agree. I I don't think anyway gets any playing time this year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we all like the player. It's like the same thing we talked about with Renfro, but. Where the hell is he playing? I think, you know, even just hearing you talk and thinking about it more, maybe they're going to trade him. If you know, the Cardinals are kind of going for it this year with the Goldschmidt move and, they're, you know, they're in it in June, they trade him to an AL team and, and get a pitcher. Yeah, you know, like the Indians. A, if the Indians went out right. and got him. Right. And then next year he DHs and hits 30 home runs and we all love him. But – I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, listen, they, if he found his way into full-time at-bats, I'd be all over him. I mean, I think he's like right. a 280 hitter with like 25 homer pop. Like, I'm I'm in on Jose Martinez talent-wise. Right. That's not a question. It's just there is no playing time here. Like, I mean, the the ideal situation would be Tampa because Tampa's got a need for this type of bat. And, you know, he slots in at the DH right there. He could hit four. You could reunite him with Tommy Pham. They could have a little love fest. Um, <laughs> and that's an awesome park to hit in. Uh, that's an awesome uh, division to hit in. So, I mean, there there are teams that could use him, but there is just no indication they are going to move him. Like, I haven't heard anything on, on him that's, that indicates no. that they're going to trade him. No, I just – Made that up. I didn't say I heard it anywhere. I was just thinking about what they could possibly do with him because they have an asset here that we we all clearly see either needs to play or needs to be utilized elsewhere. Yeah, but they don't they don't seem inclined to turn him into anything, and maybe that's just because the first base DH types just. I mean, if you look around the league, they're just not getting paid. So, yeah, um, you know, it just might be that for whatever reason these internal metric systems have said that these guys aren't valuable and we're not going to pay for them and we're not going to trade for them. Okay. So for the remainder of the outfielders, we're going to have a little draft uh, for the guys outside the top 55. We're going to go 24 picks. JP is going to pick first, followed by Nick, followed by me. And we're going to do this reverse snake. Um, so then it will be me, Nick and JP. And we will go back and forth. Um, I believe it's eight times between the three of us. So, JP, right. you've got the first pick. Kick us off. Who are you taking? I have, a, I have a feeling I'm going to get killed for this. Malik Smith. If uh, you, you play it. Malik Smith is Wait. not outside the top 55. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah you, so are gonna you, get... you are going to get killed for this. <laughs> Hold idiot. on a second. I was not on the top outfielder show. I thought he was left out. On some list, he's lower than some of the guys we talked about. He's lower than McCutcheon. No, he's not. Okay, so, Go. okay. 
Next. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I didn't do the top. I mean, hey, I, hey, even hey, put, hey. I even I put the off. link to the ADP in the show <laughs> notes. All right, all right, all right. All Listen right. to the podcast, Jake. Chill, on. chill. All right. Uh, sure. What's his name? El Coffee, Senior Coffee, Gregory Polanco. <laughs> yeah, he's not playing till like fucking August. <laughs> Try again. Listen, no, no, I'm, no, I'm he's Gregory. on my list. No. He's on my list. No. All right, go ahead. 20, 23 home runs last year, 12 steals. Yeah, that pretty good counting stats for a team that wasn't that great. Uh, we we both like We all like El Coffee, right? What's his name? <laughs> Mr. Coffee. I like him a lot. He got a great nickname, which <sighs> carries a lot of value in fantasy leagues. I think he's going to be a decent player this year. You you know he's in it right now. They're saying seven to nine months for him, right? No, no, no. They're saying that that's the time frame that he's in. Nick, he's he's projected to be back sometime yeah. between April and June. Uh, okay. so that's not bad. Okay. Yeah, so that report to... that report scared the crap out of me the other day, and then I read it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, all right, he's he's fine. Okay. Um, am I up now? Yep. All right. So, question: Is Senzel right now outfield? No, but if you all want right. to take him, you can take him. Um. So I would take him. Yeah, I would take Senzel here. Okay, I don't have any issue with you taking him. Okay. Why don't you tell us why you like him very briefly? Um, yeah, I think that when he does come up, I think that he does stay up. He's extremely highly touted. If he came up, why would they not give him the at-bats? They'd have to. He's got power and speed. He gets on base. He hits for good average. He's got excellent batted ball profile. Um, I think the player is going to be a top 30 outfielder once he comes up. So I would draft him now. And and when he gets the call in, you know, mid late April, I don't think he'll. You know, he played already through double and triple A, so I think he'll be up early. Um, he's in a roll when he comes up, so I would just take him and wait. Okay, I'm gonna go with Joey Wendell as my uh, nice. first pick. He's got the outfield eligibility in ten game formats. Um, he's right now he's the presumptive three hitter in Tampa, um, while not the greatest lineup in the world uh, there are some talented players there we've got Kiermaier there we've got Pham there um, it's an awesome division for hitters he had an excellent second half last year where he cut his K rate all the way down to a single digit rate um, he gained some power he was very successful running the bases um, so I mean you know I could see very easily see uh, 13 20 285 type season and if he's hitting three there's going to be runs and rbis to go with that so and then you on top of that you get all that eligibility that comes with it i think in yahoo he's eligible everywhere um okay so and then uh then i'm going to take everyone's favorite randall grichuk oh um, no i'm back toronto he from june on he was i believe a 23 homer bat hitting 270 with a 800-plus OPS, he's going to be hitting in the middle of that lineup. I think the potential is there for 30 bombs very easily. Um, much like Wendell, that division has a, a ton of amazing ballparks. Um, I'm, I'm all in, and Grichuk also has the ability to swipe five to ten bags, too. So he's a non-zero in speed. Uh, am I up? Yep. Yes, right? Yep. All right. For, for me here, uh, it's a no-brainer. I'm taking France. The power is real, and um, he's going to probably be the four or five hitter on this line. I think that the RBIs will be there, the counting stats will be there. So I'm taking, uh, I'm taking uh, Fran Mill, and, and 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 the average as well. 
All right, Jay. All right. You're up back to back. All right, Malik Smith. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Pat stole Grichuk from me. I was definitely going to take him here. I'd probably go Duval Herrera. 22 home runs last year. Kind of sneaky, sneaky good season. Kind of being forgotten about on a really good team. Great ballpark, good lineup. I think he's definitely a lock for 20-plus homers. And he, he struggled for a bit last year. He could definitely have a, a much better season than just the 22 homers. And I'm here back-to-back. Back. I'm probably in a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go Matt Kemp here. 21 home runs in L.A. last year. He's in a much better ballpark. He knows the NL. Decent lineup behind guys like Votto and Jeanette. Winker, you could definitely have a ton of RBI opportunities. I think uh, go Kemp here and be happy with it. All right. Uh, yeah, this is so this for me is tough. Um, it's picking between Cedric Mullins and um, uh, Steven Souza. And I'm probably going with Mullins here just because I think he gets a ton of playing time at the leadoff spot. And if he does get 600 at-bats, I like the speed and power combination. Um, it could very well blow up in your, space, uh, in your face and he could hit, you know, sub 240. But I actually like the profile. I don't know what's up with the, with the projections. Um, I think that he will hit north of 250 and at least go 15-15 given 600 at-bats. Um, so I like him here a lot. All right, well. Since I know I can't leave Souza on the board for more rounds, I'm going to take Steven Souza. Uh, we talked about him during the bowl prediction show. I think he's got significant upside, power, speed, going to hit in the middle of that lineup. I think last year was a lost year. Um, I don't think we've seen the best Steven Souza season yet. He's got the ability to also hit for a plus BABIP to offset some of his strikeout problems. He knows how to take a walk. I think he's a quality player, and I will follow him up. I will follow his volatility up with old reliable Shinsu Chu, who is presumably going to hit somewhere near the top of the Texas lineup and do what he does, go 20-some-odd homers, 5 to 10 steals, and get on base at like a 390 clip and uh, be a pretty good source of run production as well. Are we done? No, we're still going, Nick. We're only halfway done. Nick, are you there? I think Nick is done. <laughs> All right, I think Nick is done. Okay, let's skip him. And, Jape, right. you go twice. All right. Let's see. Uh, probably have to go Jock Peters in here. Don't love the guy, but 25 homers this late in the draft. I think uh, it's a pretty much a no-brainer. He's one of the best guys left Sorry. on the board here. That's yeah, all right. You can, you know, potential to steal more than the one base he did last year. I can see him stealing maybe five. And Who's this? This is Jock Peterson with 25 home runs last year. Oh, yeah. I'll take later. Yeah. And uh, just based on possible breakout like he had a couple of years ago, Jackie Bradley Jr., you know the lineup is great. Uh, 17 steals, 13 home runs last year. You wish it was more like 2020. I think it's possible he does that again. And he always has the potential. We know he's talented. I think he's worth a spot here. So I'll go Jock Peterson and JBJ. So, Nick, who did you take? Uh, well, if you were going to give me – let me get some of that Jake Bowers outfield eligibility. Yeah, that's fine. I'm definitely taking Jake here. Um, I have him ranked way higher than his ADP, like way, way, way higher. Um, he's going to be really interesting this year. I think he well, – not that I think. He's definitely going to get a ton of at-bats. And with that power-speed combo, he's very intriguing. He's definitely not a sub-215 hitter as he was last year. He had he fell into a bad rut and struck out a ton and swung a, swung and missed a lot and he had a 252 Babbitt. 
I think this year you're looking at a guy who could possibly go 2020 250 and have really good counting stats. I, I like love this kid. Okay. And you've got one more because we missed your one from before Jock Peterson. All right. Um, last one. Let's see. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm thinking. It's not the last one. (laughs) Oh, all right. So then here I'll just, I'll take the shot on Kyle Tucker. Um, I really like the prospect pedigree. Um, even though there's not a clear path for playing, playing time at all. Um, it's the chance that if he does get his shot, I think it could really shine. And he was terrible last year when he had his shot. But he, I think he's more of the player that we saw in 2018 in AAA, which was 24-20-332. Um, in that year, I know, I, I know I'm you know, quoting minor league statistics, but 18% K rate, 10% walk rate, 400 OBP. Um, he's a really solid player with a really good batter, pro, batter ball profile and really high upside as far as power and speed go. So I'm taking the shot on him there. Okay, I'm going to take Chris Taylor. Um, obviously – Another eligibility play with a second base and shortstop. Um, he's a player that's got the potential to hit near the top of the lineup, given A.J. Pollock's injury history. Uh, he's got some power. He's got some speed. Um, I think that where 2017 might have been his ceiling, I think 2018 might have been more of a floor for the player that he is now. Um, so, you know, I mean, the potential is there for him to go like 2015, 275. Um, even if it's not still a very useful player to have on your bench. Um, my other pick is going to be Max Kepler. Oh, um, the Kepler radar. Going to hit in the middle of the Twins lineup, which is going to be vastly improved. Uh, has very good plate discipline, good pitch recognition skills. Just needs to get the swing straightened out just a little bit. And I think there's pretty decent power potential there as well. I could see a 25, 10, 265 type season. Um, I think that there's the potential for him to end up as the player that hits immediately behind Nelson Cruz. And if that is the case, that's going to be a very nice spot to be. So I am in on Max Kepler. Nick, going back to you now. Ah, now, all right. Uh, this is tough. This is getting hard now. That's um, the idea. All right. I'm I'm probably going to just take the shot on another prospect because I am not liking what I'm seeing here right now. Um, so I'm probably going to go with Alex Kirilov. Um, I don't – Good pick. I, I, yeah, I just don't know if he gets his shot this year, though, because he hasn't played through double or triple A. If he does, this kid is one of my favorite prospects in all of baseball. So I probably would take the shot on him. I like him as a guy who could, who has like 30 home run and 15 steal possibilities in the future with crazy, crazy uh, batting average. His bat of ball profile is crazy. Anyone who's watched him play is, you can't help but to be impressed with, with his plate discipline. Um, so I would take the shot on him here. Cheap, twice. All right. As you guys said, it's getting pretty ugly out here. I feel like I'm 10 beers deep stumbling up at a draft board right now. But uh, I'd probably look at 27 home runs from Daniel Palka and just take him at this spot. Yeah, it's a good pick. And, and, and hope that he, you know, he's, he's going to be probably on your bench or if you've got a couple of utilities, you're probably playing him. And uh, you hope that he replicates what he did last year. So that's one pick. And next one in a kind of similar vein is uh, Teoscar Hernandez. 
22 home runs last year. Got to just, you know, you're praying and hoping at this point that he's going to have a similar season. These are guys you're taking pretty late. You're going to just have to take a shot. And he's a guy I wouldn't mind taking a shot. Of. I think the Blue Jays might have a sneaky good offense. And there you go. Yikes. I have to go? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's more. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess at this point, I'll, I'll take the shot on a speedster. I think this is the time of the draft. You, if you don't have steals, go are for you, it. Are you going to take Malik Smith? <laughs> no. I was going to say. I'm going to take, take Greg Allen here, actually, over a couple uh, of other guys. I like that pick. Yeah, and the reason is, one, um, Lindor is going to start the year on the disabled list, and last year, as we saw, Greg Allen was the guy who got the shot at the top spot when him or anyone else um, was benched. Um, he's got a ton of speed, and even if he doesn't make the one spot, he'll still be batting in a good part of that lineup because it's so bad. He'll probably be like five or six. Um, you know, projected with like 550-plus stolen bases – I think Allen could be a lot like 550 Atlanta. stolen bases. Oh, is that what? <laughs> <laughs> is that what That's said? a lot. He's the fastest man He's... alive. <laughs> if he gets um, 550 at bats, he could be a lot like that breakout year that Delano De Shields had because he does have some pop and he's got a ton of speed. <clears throat> so Allen would be, would be the speedster that I gamble on this late in the draft over a lot of the other guys that were in front of him. Okay, uh, I'm back-to-back here. Uh, Trey Mancini is my first pick. Going to hit the middle of the Baltimore lineup. Not the greatest spot to be in, but he's a hitter that hits the ball with significant authority. Um, He's sort of a BABIP um, reliant player in terms of batting average. But if he increases the launch angle, and they've got a new regime in Baltimore, which makes me think that they they may be a little more analytical because I think they're based out of Houston. If he raises this launch angle a little bit, there's a possibility of a 30 homer bat here that could hit 270, and um, you know there wouldn't take much given the fact that this is this is a guy that's been about a, a mid 20s homer bat throughout his first two seasons. Um, so I like Mancini and my other pick. I still believe Ian Happ, um, again, another eligibility guy. He's going to have second base, going to have third base, and he'll have that outfield eligibility. Um, huge strikeout rate, obviously, in tow, but knows how to take a walk. I still think that he's a better hitter than what he's shown at this point in his career. He's a switch hitter at that. Um, I could very easily see um, a breakout year from Ian Happ where the K rate comes down, he keeps the power and the speed. And, you know, I think we all think that there are several Cubs that are in for better years this year. So the situation will also be advantageous. So Nick, now is your last pick. Oh, thank God. Because I'm looking at, I'm staring at the barrel of Adam Jones and Domingo Santana. What are you, I mean, (laughs) come on. Trey Mancini is like really good. How does Adam Jones that Oh, Trey Mancini right is really good now, but but when I said he was good, he was the worst. I used to like Trey <laughs> Well, Trey no, Mancini. Trey Mancini is at like a free price of like 250 is really good. Okay. Trey Mancini when he was going almost inside the top 100 was not good. Okay. Well, all right. So I I I'm going to go with a little bit safe of a safer pick here. I'm going to take Brett Gardner. Um he's got a spot in this lineup. And I really would not be surprised if throughout a completely healthy spring training, if he did start out as the lead off guy, 
Um, it actually makes a lot more sense to have Hicks as a three, to, like I said before, to split up Judge and Stanton. And if they were to do that, I would expect that Gardner would be the guy that would get the initial spot at leadoff, as he has done every year since, like, 2014. Um, and if that was the case, obviously his value gets a huge boost. So I'd rather take the, the risk, hoping that he gets that spot. But even if he doesn't, coming off one of his worst years last year, he still went 12-16 and scored 95 runs. Um, so I like Gardner uh, for a little bit of a bounce back. You could bet on 10-10 and a 250 average. If he gets into the top part of the lineup, the runs could be, could be sick. It's like we always say, 10-10 wins. All right, Jay. 10-10 wins. <laughs> Wrap it up. All right. Yeah, not a sexy pick here, but I guess I'd go Cole Calhoun batting in front of Trout. A pretty good lineup. Got potential for 20-plus home runs, maybe 10 steals. The average is terrible, but maybe one of these years he puts it all together and has a solid fantasy season. I think he can help you contribute off the bench. You sound really excited about that pick. I'm not. Definitely not. It's kind of boring, but <laughs> – it's either that or it's Kike Hernandez or it's Kalos Whisper. I mean, I don't know. So you Man, I'm, I'm, like cutting, I'm like cutting everybody on my team for Kevin Kiermaier, Jay Bruce, Domingo Santana, and Kristen Stewart. Um, yeah, Jay Bruce, <laughs> I don't know. That All being right. said, the reason why I messed up with Malik Smith before is because he's way too overrated right now. That's why that worked out like that. So Jay, continue. shut up. <laughs> yeah, well, if you would have listened to the podcast last week, yeah. three hours spectacular, you would have known that we all said that Malik Smith was overrated. <laughs> but that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, Nick, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if I should, but why not? Look me up. Uh, I'm the real <laughs> Nick Liggs. That's with a Z. I post political and baseball stuff. Don't get offended. <laughs> oh, I have a Twitter now. It's uh, JP underscore FWO. It's Brand Mint New. So. Oh, oh Brand Mint New. did it. <laughs> At all, we did it. Good job. Be, All right, uh, I have to be, follow you. Yeah, well, you'll be my first follower. I made it a couple <laughs> days ago. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, and you can find me at Patrick FWO. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will be back in some form next week with the beginning of the starting pitching preview. And Ooh. thanks so much for listening, and have a great week. Peace. We are twenty.